Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. What a tremendous presence of God that we feel in this house today. It is an honor to be able to join with you and feel the presence of God. It is a privilege to be able to stand in His presence and understand and recognize that He is honoring what we are doing. I appreciate the power of God and His love and His kindness, His generosity to us. He's extended Himself to us as we extend and stretch ourselves to Him. Today, I want you to join me, if you will, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. This week, while preparing for today's service, my mind was just kept being brought back to this passage of Scripture, and I just really feel that God has something for us today, and uh, not just something in general. I believe the Lord has something specific that He wants to speak into our heart and lives. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 2, excuse me, verse number 4 and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That our faith would not be simply contained in what we can do through human effort or ability, but our faith is sustained by the power of God. And so today, with the help of the Lord, I want to talk about the atmosphere in which our faith thrives. I know and understand from Scripture where faith is born, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But I'm not just talking about an experience of yesterday or something that happened somewhere in the distant past. But I'm talking about an ongoing flow of the Spirit and the presence of the Lord. Because faith stands and faith lives and thrives in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. And if I could just be so frank as to say it at the, at the very outset today, that absent the flowing of the Spirit and absent the demonstration of the Lord in our lives, our faith simply cannot be sustained. There must be a consistent flow of the Spirit of God and the power of God, the anointing of God in our lives. If we're going to be what God wants us to be and if we're going to be in a place of usability in the hour in which we live, then we are going to have to understand the power of God and its effectiveness in our lives and to our lives. What allows our faith to stand is found, the Apostle Paul says, in the demonstration of the Spirit or the power of God. And that is why Satan does everything within his power to distract us from experiencing a fresh encounter with the Lord. I've often said that you can't just stand in the church house, feel the presence of God, 
and then somehow mystically evolve into what God wants us to be. There's going to have to be some effort, and there's going to have to be a flow of the Spirit in our own life and not just in the lives of people around us. We can't just attend church and then all of a sudden morph into what God really designs and desires for us to be. The, the psalmist David, in, in chapter 16 and verse number 11, David penned these words. He said, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and then this part we're so familiar with, In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. We have to understand the principle of the presence of God in our life. It's not just a warm and fuzzy feeling. It's not just something that we're reaching for or striving for to just uh, gratify the emotions of our humanity. But it is understanding that it is that atmosphere and that presence that cultivates and sustains our faith. We can't just tiptoe around the edges and truly be what God wants us to be. We have to engage ourselves, actively engage ourselves in a relationship with the Lord. If we're going to experience what God really wants to reveal and show us and express to us, then I have got to create and cultivate an atmosphere in which my faith can survive. It really doesn't matter uh, to Satan what we believe. And in truth, it really doesn't matter to him what we have experienced in the past. Just as long as he can abort or circumvent our next experience with God. There's a lot of people that have a past with the Lord. Somewhere in the distant past, God has done some wonderful things. And they may be a part of a, a group of people that at one point had a very intimate relationship with the Lord. But somewhere, they have grown cold. And one of the things that contributes to that is the absence of of the demonstration and the flow of the Spirit of God in their life. And so if the enemy of our soul can distract the next move of God in our life, then his work is done, and in short time, so will ours. Because our faith stands in the demonstration of his Spirit. According to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, we understand that faith is born by hearing. Faith comes by hearing hearing the word of God. But we can't just have faith born in our lives. We've got to have faith sustained in our lives. And the power of our faith and the life of our faith is found in the demonstration of the Spirit and the presence of God. You know, I am always thankful to hear the testimonies of other people. I'm encouraged. I've heard several wonderful testimonies in the course of this last week of things that God is doing in the lives of individuals. Some of them are friends in some of our churches across our district, thankful for what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. I'm thankful for the testimonies of people that have in my life, my family members, and, uh, and I have a tremendously rich heritage in this apostolic faith. I'm thankful for all the things that God has done in their lives. And those testimonies have a wonderful place they have a wonderful mark, and they have left a tremendous impression and print in my life. But you see, without my own experiences, 
Without my own experiences with God, my faith cannot survive very long in the experiences of someone else. I've got to have the spirit and the power of God moving actively, working actively in my life. We have to understand that it's not so much what God has done in the past because the devil cannot undo what happened in our past. But if he can interrupt my tomorrows, if he can frustrate and circumvent what God is wanting to do right now in my life, then ultimately my faith in time will weaken. This is why I can't just depend on and rely on what happened yesterday. Of course, yesterday becomes a very rich treasure. It becomes a very rich bank account upon which we can establish a lot of things. It was the past that David referred to when he was standing in the face in the shadow of Goliath. What makes you think you can do this? Whatever would give you the idea that you could conquer a giant such as Goliath. It was into his rich past that he reached and he said there was a lion and there was a bear. And so that past does become a wonderful bank account that we can rely on. But I need the demonstration of the Lord in my life today. I'm thankful for what he has done in my yesterdays. And you ought to be appreciative of what he has done in your yesterdays. But I can't go back there. I've got to live in today and reach for tomorrow. And that's why I need the spirit and the power and the demonstration of the Lord in my life. I've got to continually build a bridge, not to today's experience, but to the next experience. One Old Testament account that truly drives me to a place of conviction is found in the book of Ezra chapter 3. At the outset of the rebuilding of the temple, as the foundation was being laid, there came a very distinct division in the camp. While one generation was overjoyed at the prospect and the hope of rebuilding uh, the temple, there stood another generation that bemoaned the fact that it's not as it was in their day. Because you see, all of their hope was hinged upon yesterday. And so while one generation that had their eyes fixed on the future was rejoicing in what the Spirit of God was allowing them to do, another generation was weeping because it wasn't what it was in their day. I'm going to tell you today that I'm thankful for the rich history that we have, but my hope is built in what God is doing in this present hour and what God is going to do in our tomorrows. No matter what God has done in our past, at all costs, I've got to reach for the next thing that God wants to do in our midst. As a local church, we've had some tremendous services, whether that be a regularly scheduled service or a revival or a special meeting of some sort. We all can refer to moments or messages or something that happened that left a real impression in our heart. Perhaps it was a change point. Something was born in our life that we could never, ever deny. But we can't just camp out there on what happened in the past. And so no matter how wonderful a service is when that service has ended... If, we are, if our faith is going to be what it ought to be, I've got to cultivate what the Spirit of the Lord is wanting to do in our next service, in the next time that we gather together. Jesus himself said that man cannot live by bread alone, 
But what sustains us is every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I have long held the conviction that there is a proceeding or a continuing word from God. And it is here that our faith stands. And it is here that our faith thrives in the demonstration of the power of God. A preceding word of the Lord. I thank you for what you have spoken to us in our past. And I thank you for your presence here today. But what I am really trying to do is reach for tomorrow. In the demonstration of the power and the presence of God. It builds my faith that we are not done. And so I can't rely on the fumes or try to survive on the fumes of the past. I've got to be where God wants us to be today. And then I'm going to have to strive with every fiber of my soul to search out what God would have in store for us tomorrow. Every day, every day, I've got to search what would you have me do today. We would be kidding ourselves to think that what we received last month or last week or last year would ever be enough to carry us through. The devil knows this, and that's why he's working overtime right now to destroy your next encounter with the Lord. He'll use whatever he can. He'll use whatever he must. If it's physical sickness, if it's fear, if it's uncertainty, he could use financial stress. He could use the uncertainty of your employment He could sow seeds of discord in your family. Of course, the list could go on and on. But the Bible even talks about that the cares of life, that anonymous cares of life could choke out the word of God. That's why I've got to be careful and I've got to be conscientious. I can't come to church. I can't connect myself to a service, fold my arms, and assume just hearing it is going to be enough. I can't just listen to someone else sing. I can't just listen to someone else preach. But I need to engage myself in the words of the message of the song, in the words of the message of the sermon, because I need an active, powerful presence of God that is flowing in my life. Because there is where my faith is going to be sustained and grow. Amen. That is why the enemy works so hard to choke out the spirit and the flow of the presence of God. I want to be wise and I want to know my enemy's plot and his plan. He wants us, he, he wants to plant just enough confusion in our life so that we can't uh, serve God on a larger scale. If he could just get us to plateau somewhere in our life, that would be sufficient for him. But I'll tell you that Calvary casts a shadow large enough to whatever comes my way. God's spirit is going to sustain me and his grace is going to his grace is going to be sufficient for that day, for that moment. And that's why we need to have the spirit of discernment and be able to recognize when the enemy is at work in our life to stop to hinder, to hamper the flow of the Spirit. If not, if not, we will become we will become convinced that either God cannot or God will not move for us. We many times don't struggle to believe that God would move for someone else, that God would move in the life of someone else, but we really struggle to believe at times that God would move in our life. And so he knows that. It is in the spirit of demonstration that our faith thrives. 
And so he wants to stop the flow of demonstration. And so I say, Lord, help us to speak against that and help me to tap into what your spirit and your presence is wanting to do in our life today. Jesus, in the book of Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, Jesus said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And so when we look at this scripture, we understand the power or the authority that God has given the church. And so I would like to tell it this way, that while the devil may have ability, the church has authority. He may have the ability to create circumstances, to frustrate the work of God or the move of God in our life. But can I tell you that he, while he can only live in the atmosphere of ability, the church thrives in the atmosphere of authority. And so I say let's rise and let's exercise our God-given authority and stand up and use what God has given us. We need to be open in our lives to the operation of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost and see what God can do in us and for us and through us. It is time, I believe, that we experience God again. I would ask you to, today, how long has it been since we had that true experience with God where his presence flowed in our life without restriction? I'm not talking about going through the antics of a given church service, of knowing the, the words of the song, understanding how to clap on time or knowing just exactly where to insert an amen or a hallelujah. I'm asking how long has it been since the power of God without restriction, without reservation was flowing in our life. Amen. I know that many of us know the Lord. That's not what I'm asking today. I'm asking when's the last time we have had an experience with the Lord. Amen. I believe that I've got to experience the power of the Spirit moving in my life today. And then I've got to experience it again and again and again. Because one experience will never be enough. It will never be sufficient. We need a fresh encounter with God again and again. That is the atmosphere that is absolutely necessary if our faith is going to stand. You see, the Bible begins with the moving of the Spirit, and it ends with the moving of the Spirit. And so I want God moving on me and in me and through me every day of my life. The Scripture teaches us that it is the anointing of God that destroys the yoke. And so if that mountain moves... It's only going to move because God moved it. And so I will tell you again that the enemy is not worried about our past experiences, but he is very concerned about our future experiences. So no matter how perfect or no matter how pure we may be in our intentions, we must always remember that we have a treasure, but the scripture teaches us that this treasure is in an earthen vessel. I think it is so imperative on so many levels to remember that wonderful principle that the treasure is in an earthen vessel. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 27, we see an extended period of, of time, several months of, of David's life, a season of David's life, if you please, where David himself succumbed to the circumstances of his life. He grew tired. 
He grew weary in the running for his life and the running from Saul. And of course, if we were to put ourselves in his position, who could dare charge him? We ourselves would be weary if we were faced with the same thing. The Bible says that as long as he dwelt in Gath, that Saul no longer sought to kill him. Please hear me today. That David was weary. David had a treasure, but it was in an earthen vessel. And so David the man, David the flesh, David wrapped in humanity, was weary with the battle and with the fight. He was tired of running. But the scripture denotes that as long as he dwelt in Gath, Saul sought no longer to kill him. So when you look at where David was dwelling, there is a consistent reference and a referral to the word south. South. In verse number 10, the word south is used multiple times. In this verse, the word south means dry. It means dry. And so when the king asked him, where have you been? David, where have you been? And David was telling him, I've been in the south here and south there. What David was really saying is, I have been in a dry place. Amen. This was the same David that had in the hand of Samuel in chapter 16, the oil, the horn of oil, the scripture says, that was poured on him. I want you to understand something. When the Bible talks about a horn of oil, it's not referring to just a drop or two, or as we would do it in this 21st century with just a little bit on the end of our finger and laying hands on people and praying for them. But a horn of oil, it ran over the head of David and down his garments. And so we would see that picture and we would snap that if we could freeze that frame. Here is David, this young boy, that the horn of oil from the hand of the man of God was poured over his head. What a moment in time, an undeniable, an, an undeniable experience where the anointing of the Lord is flowing down him. My point in using this illustration today is simply to say this, is that no matter how much oil David had on him at one point in his life, no matter how much oil was on him in his past, at this particular time, he said, I have been in a dry place. He was in dire need of a fresh anointing from the hand of the same God that had touched him just 11 chapters before. Amen. For four months, David has been hiding from Saul. And it was here in this dry place that David realized what I really need is a fresh touch from the Lord. I will tell you today that I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to someone this very moment and saying that no matter where you have been in the past and no matter what God has done for you in your yesterdays, you may feel like right now, I need a fresh touch from God. I need a fresh anointing from the hand of the Lord. David needed a fresh touch from God. David was not a man that was perfect. And if you read over his life story, you'll be eminently aware of that. But David was a man after God's own heart. David had a treasure, 
but it was in an earthen vessel. And I will tell you today that we have a treasure, the power, the indwelling, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but never deny that this treasure is in an earthen vessel. And so I will tell you today that no matter where we have been with God, what matters right now is where we are in this moment. Sadly, there are people in church today that have lost their joy. They have no strength. Their faith is weak. Amen. They're, they're, not, they're not unanointed today. Amen. They're, they're, they have had a past experience with God, but what they need is a fresh flow of the Spirit of the Lord. You can't live on yesterday's anointing. I can't live on what the Lord has done. I've got to live on what He is doing and what He desires to do. In the Scripture, the Bible talks about Moses going to the mountain with God. And oh, what an experience Moses had. But when he came down off of that mountain, undeniably, the man, Moses, had stood in the presence of an almighty God. The scripture says that he was wearing a veil over his face. I think it's interesting that in the writings of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that Paul talks about this veil. And the veil, he said, over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Let me read this to you from another translation. The scripture says, Moses put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. The veil wasn't to hide the anointing of God on his face. It was to hide the fact that what Moses had experienced on the mountain was now fading away. My point today is simply this, that no matter how high on the mountain we have been with God and no matter how much authority of his presence we have ever stood in, as we drift away from the Lord, that experience begins to fade in our life. And so I would tell you today that if Moses could lose that touch, then who are we to think that it wouldn't happen in our life? If David can go from that moment of a powerful and mighty anointing on his life to a place in a season of dryness, then who are we to think that it can't happen in our life? Our faith is going to stand in the demonstration of the Spirit of God. What I know, what I believe, or what I have experienced is going to carry little to no currency with Satan because he can't undo where we have been. He can't undo any experience that we have had, but if he can frustrate the next touch, then he can cause my faith to be in an atmosphere where it will not and cannot thrive. I want to close, and I'm going to take us to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 1 and verse number 1. I want to read a scripture. I've read this passage many, many times, and I have referred to it countless times through the years, but I just believe it is pertinent to where we are. The Bible says in Ezekiel 1 and 1, Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, and the fifth day of the month. Here's where it's so important. As I was among the captives by the river of Jabbar, that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. It was right here among the captives that the Spirit of God began to move 
in the life of Ezekiel. The Bible <clears throat> says that Ezekiel didn't just see God, but let's listen closely to the words of verse number three. The scripture says that the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. I want to focus on two words in this passage. One of those words is expressly. The second word is there. The Bible says that the word of God came expressly. It came with distinction. It came with clarity. Not vague hope. Not a thin veil of maybe. But a sure word. And then the Bible says that the hand of the Lord was there upon him. So where is there? There was captivity. There was bondage. There was the last place you would have ever dreamed that the Spirit of God would move. There was in trying circumstances. But you see, God can move anywhere and God can move at any point in time. God can move as we allow Him to move. You see, everything doesn't have to be just right for God to move in your life. I, I don't want to just try to capitalize on this today, but it has been a very interesting and trying several weeks for us as a nation and certainly around the world. But can I tell you today that God will move anywhere and God will move anytime and God will move any way that we will allow him. And so even in an atmosphere of, of uncertainty, the spirit of God, if we'll welcome into him into our home, if we'll welcome him into our lives, into our families, God will move right here, right now. Amen. And what was the consequences of this unlikely meeting? The Bible says, He said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet that I heard him that spake unto me. Amen. In, the, in this place of captivity, in this place of bondage, in this, in this hour of uncertainty, the Spirit of God moved in his life and God spoke to him and God stood him up on his feet. Amen. I will tell you today that God can speak something into our spirit and set us upright. He can set us on our feet. He wants to touch you right now. He wants to touch us right now. Let his spirit move. Amen. Would you do that? Wherever you're listening to this or wherever you're watching this, would you let the spirit and the presence of God move right now? Would you be bold enough like Ezekiel to say, Lord, even in a, me in a moment and a season of captivity, I welcome your spirit into my life. Would you be bold enough as a family, perhaps right now, you're in your home. Would you be courageous enough to say, Lord, I want you to move in my life. <laughs> I want you to move in my home. Lord, I give myself to you. I yield myself to you. No, you may not be in a sanctuary. 
No, you may not be surrounded with your church family and you may not be surrounded with friends and we may not have the cushion that all of that affords us today, but I'm going to tell you that if God could speak to Ezekiel in captivity, that he can speak to us in this very moment where you are. I don't know the circumstances of your life, but God does. I don't know what you're facing right now, but the Lord does. And I will tell you that if we allow His Spirit to move, that in that moment of demonstration, our faith can grow. Our faith can stretch itself. I'm thankful to know Him. I'm thankful to have experienced Him. Amen. So I tell you today, there's just one question that remains unanswered. There's just one question and it's a question that only you can answer. And that is, are you going to allow God to give you a fresh anointing today, right now, in this moment of time? It is up to us. We can resist His presence. We can resist His wooing. We can reject His embrace. And we can just end all of this. And in a few moments of time, your life can just slip right back into the rut of routine where it has been held captive for way too long. Or we can yield ourselves. We can surrender ourselves and say, Lord, what I want to do today is I want to fall in love with you again. I want a fresh experience. I want a fresh anointing. I want the flow of your presence in my life. Would you do that? Join us today, not just in song, but join us in worship. Join us in stretching ourselves and letting the power and the presence of God touch us right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.